0: Hey, uh, morning. Uh, when I was a kid, a uh, teenager really, uh, I had uh, a friend, one of my best friends actually had a super nice car and I would uh, ride with him uh, literally almost anywhere and everywhere and he, this guy, literally had neon lights under his car that lit up the ground as he drove. Have you ever seen that before? I'm pretty sure it's illegal, which I, I just, I guess, didn't know at the time and he had uh, subs in the back of his uh, trunk, and he would buy these bass CDs. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like the songs, they literally just say, bass, bass, bass. bass." That's all they do. (laughs) And he would just ride around listening, and I never wanted to sit in the back seat because if you sat in the back, you literally couldn't breathe, because there was just so much bass. But this friend, as cool as this car was to a 17-year-old, he had a really uh, curious habit when it rained. When it rained he would almost never use his windshield wipers. Now, some of you, as soon as it starts to sprinkle, you just go on hyperdrive, like, oh, no, I can't see. (laughs) This guy, uh uh-uh, complete opposite. He would wait as long as humanly possible before he would use his windshield wipers, and even when he did, he would just do the, you know how you can, like, set them to, like, keep going, but you can also just do it once? He would just do the, push it up, like, for once, like... And then he would wait again for like two minutes. Hmm. That's all he would do. I don't know if he like thought the windshield wipers made his card not look cool or, or what. But anyway, I was thinking a lot about this old friend and his windshield wipers this week as we read our passage. And let me explain the connection in a little bit after we read it. We are in Hebrews chapter 12. If you got your Bible with you, or if you don't, I really encourage you to just uh, get out the Renovation Church app again. You can tap Bible and weekly verses we really like to unpack the scriptures here at this church, so it's just great if you have it in front of you. Um, we are in Hebrews chapter 12 for a four-week series called Endurance, and today uh, we are going to start on verse 14, just four verses today, 14 through 17. Here's what the writer says, and we don't actually know who wrote Hebrews, that's why we say here's what the writer says. Okay, it says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness... No one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defile many. See to it that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. So the writer starts and he says, I want you to make every effort to live in peace with everyone. That sounds like a really good verse for October of 2020, don't you think? (laughs) The Bible never ceases to be incredibly relevant. But read correctly, there are actually two things that we're supposed to make every effort to do. And the second one is to be holy. And that's really the crux of this passage. This is a chapter, a passage about holiness. Now, we're to be holy One of the reasons we're going to be holy is God is holy. What does that mean? Well, it means that he is sacred, he is set apart, he is pure, he's unpolluted by sin. That's the sense of the word. And Christians are actually supposed to be the same. The disciple Peter explains this really well in one of his letters. This is from 1 Peter chapter 1. He says to us, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, he's quoting the Old Testament here, because I am holy. So your, go- your goal as a Christian is to be holy like God is holy. Now, of course, you're going to fall light years short of that. But that doesn't change the direction of your aim. We're still called to strive to be holy. And this is not just some random part of your faith. This is a major part of what it means to be a Christian. You know, despite what some people may try and tell you, or maybe you heard this growing up in church, Christianity isn't just some private thing that you consume for yourself and then get to sort of live out in your own mind and space. No, Christianity is something that you walk out in front of God and in front of others, in front of a watching world. Uh, And if there's inconsistency there, it's a problem. Uh, Charles Spurgeon once said it this way. He said, unholy Christians are the plague of the church because the world is watching us. If we claim Christ, but we look nothing like him, then we're actually a plague. It's viral. It's exponential to what in a negative way, to what God is trying to accomplish. No, we're actually told to make every effort to be holy. In fact, that make every effort, there's actually just one word if you read the Greek, and the idea behind it is you are to pursue something. You're making every effort to be holy to the point that you are chasing after it. I don't know if I've ever uh, quoted Charles Spurgeon twice in uh, one minute before, but I'm going to do it right now. He said this, you will, I should this more often, you will never gain holiness by standing still. Nobody ever grew holy without agonizing to be holy. Look at this, this is brilliant. Sin will grow without sowing. It just happens. But holiness needs cultivation. Follow it. It will not run after you. You must pursue it with determination, with eagerness, with perseverance as a hunter pursues its Pray. I heard J.D. Greer say this way. He's a uh, pastor in North Carolina, a great communicator. He said, growing in holiness is an uphill battle. It's like riding your bike uphill. If you stop pedaling, what happens? You go backwards, back down the hill. We've actually have to work if we're going to pursue being holy like god but there's some nuance here there's a trick to this you can't work so hard at this that you actually work god out of the process we got to be really careful that we pursue this biblically and i think many 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 christians actually mess this up so i want you to listen carefully to this many christians i think nowadays we try with all of our might to rid sin out of our lives or we try to white knuckle our way out of an addiction or we try harder than ever to be good But none of those things are the teaching of the New Testament. The Bible teaches that holiness is a joint venture between us and God. Okay, so let's go back to my friend with his windshield wiper habit. Let's just turn it into a metaphor. Let's say that the rain represents sin. And it's a good example because we have a lot of sin, right? And sin is everywhere in our lives. It's hard to get rid of. It tends to just keep coming. Like the raindrops on your windshield... On a rainy day and let's say your windshield wipers are the thing that allows you to be more holy right because they're removing the rain they're removing the sin from your life but sin keeps coming in right so we need to keep working the process now notice a couple things you are not your windshield wipers right it's, i don't think you're sticking your hand out your window while you're driving and right that's you're not the windshield wiper And this is true biblically because you don't actually have any power to remove your own sin. One of the chapters in the Bible I'd really encourage you to read on this sort of balance between us and the Holy Spirit versus sin is Romans chapter 8. Or Maybe write that down. That would be such a good chapter for you to read on this. We're told that it is the Holy Spirit, it's God, that gives us the strength to remove sin and actually to desire sin less That's all the Holy Spirit working in you. You can't do that on your own. Holiness is a joint venture between us and God. But what's your part then? Well, our part is we're still called to pursue it, right? To seek it. To to want to turn the windshield wipers on to work with God. But it's God that does the actual work of wiping it away. All right, let's look at the second part, verse 14. It says, Without holiness... No one will see the Lord. They won't experience the Lord moving in their life without holiness. This is actually the most important part of the whole four verses of our passage. It's sort of the cornerstone thought. It's saying this. If you continually let sin into your life and you do nothing about it, that's the key. That's the key part, right? Because we all have sin in our lives. Saying you will not see the Lord. You'll not really experience him. Unfortunately, this is so popular in our in our culture right now. I see this nowadays with uh, many celebrities, whether they be football players or musicians, whatever, that claim the name of Christ. They say that they publicly say that they're a Christian, and they love it. They maybe even quote it when Paul says that we are saved by the grace of God. But then they skip the part three chapters later when the same letter that Paul says, but in for holiness' sake don't even have a hint of sexual immorality in your life. We just ignore it. But without holiness, no one will really see the Lord. Right? If if you continue, maybe it's a lust for you, right? If you continue to just let lust into your life, pornography, you do nothing about it, you will not see the Lord. If you continue to let anger rule your life and it's just spilling out on your family, but you do nothing about it, you never try and change, you never bring it to the Lord to work with him, you will not see the Lord. I'm not talking about messing up, okay? We all mess up. We really do. I'm not talking about, you know, this is where the metaphor works so well again. Yes, the rain just keeps coming. Right? It's a matter of do do you desire? Are you pursuing? Are you making every effort to be holy? That's what we're talking about. This passage is telling you that without holiness, you will not experience the Lord. It's telling you that if you're just like the rest of the world and you look just like the rest of the world, then the world is all you'll see. It's telling you that as a Christian, you ought to hate sin. Do you hate sin? Do you hate the sin in your life? Because it's saying, if you don't hate it, then you're not going to, want to turn the wipers on, and you're not going to want to work with God, and you will not really see the Lord in your life. There's probably in a room of this size, or people watching in the other room, or if you're watching online, there's I know there are people listening to this where you feel like your walk with the Lord the last couple of years, if you were totally honest has been kind of just, meh. You still believe, you're coming to church, but you don't have much passion for Jesus anymore. It is quite possible that this is one of the main reasons why. Your vision of God is being clouded by the raindrops on your windshield. You've given sin a key to your apartment and you've just let it move in to your daily life. And because you're not pursuing holiness, you will not see the Lord. This is right out of scripture. You will not experience him. You will not feel him. He will not be guiding you. He will not be moving in your heart. And a lot of people live like this right up until they crash, right? They just, their lives fall apart because they just let the raindrops keep coming. And eventually they crash. I know a lot of people that they wait, just like my friend, they wait to the very last second. And then they cry out to God. And they turn the wipers on. And God moves in their life. But then they just go right back to it again. Let the rain fall. You, I, I, I want to tell you too, this is also one of the reasons that the American church right now is so lukewarm in our faith. Now, I've read a couple books uh, this year about revivals. Historical revivals in the church in the past. And there's always a couple of hallmarks that you find in every single revival. Uh, One of them is prayer. That's why you come to our prayer meeting before the services. And you know what another one is? It's holiness. It's holiness that the church gets holy. God isn't going to come down and do this amazing revival work in the American church if we're just okay with the pollutant of sin in our lives. It's not going to work like that. That's not the way that God wants you to live. And you're never going to experience real life like that. If you would let God in, if you would pursue this, you'd start to see the Lord again. You have to see his face. This is an amazing promise from the Bible. You know, uh, Jesus promises you you this exact same thing. This is from the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. Look at this carefully. Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart. These are the ones that are chasing after holiness. What's the blessing? For they will see God. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. But with holiness, you see the face of God. He's moving in your life. You're experiencing his forgiveness, his guidance, all of these things that we want. My friend pursuing it's really a question of what are you pursuing? What are you living for? Are you living for holiness or are you living for the world? But if you're pursuing the world, if you're just pursuing temporary pleasure or temporary advances, it might seem like a more appealing move than pursuing holiness, but I assure you it is not a better move. It's actually a terrible trade. Look at verse 16 now in our passage. The writer says, See to it, or see that, no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. So we're told to not be godless like Esau. Now, that's Esau from the book of Genesis uh, in the Old Testament. Okay, well, how was Esau godless? Well, see, Esau could have been, should have been the head of his family. He was the oldest. It actually should have been the head of the patriarch of the people of Israel. So much so that Esau's future bloodline then would have included Jesus Christ in it. But what happened was one day, after hunting, Esau was so hungry that he traded his inheritance to his younger brother Jacob for a bowl of soup. His belly was filled for a moment. This is the trade, right? Okay, yes, his belly was filled. His cravings were filled for a moment. But now, for thousands of years, think about this. We worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when we really could have been worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. If only he just could have waited to eat later. If he could have just lived in discomfort a little bit longer. And the blessings he would have inherited, they would have been uncountable, perpetual. They would have been completely satisfying. But instead, with the trade that he got, by forsaking holiness, was just a temporary satisfaction. And so, the book of Hebrews in the Bible it's warning you. It's warning you. Don't make the same awful trade as Esau. Because the blessing of walking in God's holiness, the blessing of walking in God's ways, it is infinitely better than whatever bowl of soup the world is promising right now is going to fulfill the cravings that you have. It's a bowl of soup. Will you believe this morning that God has better for you? And really, the blessing of that inheritance, it's not just off in the future after we die, but it's actually for the here and now. And I think too many Christians, we, we just have g- almost given up on holiness. And I don't know what's going on in our culture right now. Even when I came to Christ 20 years ago, I think of worship. We used to sing about this all the time, right? I mean, just think of the songs we used to sing. You know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We'd sing, holy is the Lord. we sing, you are holy. We used to sing, holiness, it's what I long for. And now it's like worship leaders across the country, they don't even write songs about that anymore. We've almost given up on it as a church, and we're just missing out on God because without holiness, you will not see the Lord. We've traded in. What have we traded it in for? We've traded it in for just nights and days and weeks of entertainment. We've traded it in for just 90 minutes a day of just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling through social media, getting super angry at everybody. We've traded in the excitement of the Almighty God moving our hearts in worship, for just another night of sinning through our eyes. Another night of watching TV, of letting into our living room people who say and do things that you would never let say and do those same things in your living room. For real. Do we care about holiness? What's the word of God say? Without holiness, no one will see The Lord. The cravings that the world is offering you every night, every day, it will not fill you up. You know it's just a bowl of soup. You know it is if you think about it. Have you ever, in your life, after the fourth night in a row of just binging something on YouTube or on Netflix, have you ever looked to your roommate or your spouse and said, you know what? Oh, Netflix, it just. Hmm. It just fills my soul. It just, it brings me this, this peace and this goodness. Mmm. Said no one ever, right? Why? Because it's just a bowl of soup. There's got to be more to life than just entertaining ourselves to death. It has to be more to life than just feeling something good in your body and living for that. Surely you are more than just a body. Don't sell your inheritance with God for something that's just going to leave you feeling hungry again the next day. You know, Jesus tells you, John chapter 4, that he has brought a living water. And if you drink of it, you'll never be thirsty again. Choose holiness. I would just ask you directly right now, what is it in your life, what sin is it in your life that you've just let move into the apartment? You've given the key to your apartment. It's just living with you. You're not pursuing holiness anymore. You're not making every effort to be holy. What is it? Where do you just need to surrender that up to God? And say, God, would you help me fight against this? What is it? Live in your inheritance. And that same promise, it's true not just for this life, but it's true for after we die, for our eternal future. So look at verse 17 now. It's our last verse in the passage. It says, afterward, as you know, when he, is talking about Esau still, When he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. And so Esau, he made this awful trade, right? To sell his inheritance to his younger brother, all for a bowl of soup. And he made it earlier in his life, and we don't know exactly how much time there was in between, but eventually his father Isaac made the decision final. So eventually Esau had to experience the consequence of his choice. And he couldn't change what he had done. It was too late. Even though he cried and he saw it with tears, it was too late. And the same is true for every single person listening to this. See, eventually, every single one of us, we're going to die. Whether you want to think it about it or not, we are. And when you die, you'll meet God face to face. The Bible says you will have to give an account of your life. Can you imagine giving a true and honest account? You're not going to be able to lie. I'll just tell you right now. A true and honest account of your life to a perfect, almighty, holy God. And the only way he will forgive you is if while you are on earth, you decided to become a follower of Jesus. And that is, a follower of Jesus is someone who believes... And follows someone who believes that Jesus Christ died on the cross in their place, taking their punishment off of them and onto Him. And if you've done that, then after you give an account of your life, God will declare you not guilty. It's really interesting. The Bible says that, in a sense, He's looking at you, but instead of seeing you, it's, He sees His Son's righteousness. So, what that means is like Jesus is almost. If, if, if you're the guitar, Jesus is almost covering you. And so he sees the holiness of the Son of God instead of your guilt. It's the same thing. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. But because of the Son's holiness in eternity, you will see the Lord. But if you're not covered, and you're not a follower of Jesus, then one day it will be too late. There are no second chances when you die. And the warning from the Bible is then you will be just like Esau and you will seek with tears. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. If I would have known. But it warns you it'll be too late. And so instead of being led into heaven, you will spend eternity in hell because someone has to pay for our sins, whether it be us or Jesus. So I plead with you, Let Jesus Christ pay for your sins. And that is God the Father. That is his desire for you. He wishes that none should perish, the Bible says. His desire is to save you. He loves you so much that he sent his own son to come on the cross and die for you. Will you let him save you? And don't say, because some of you, you hear this and you've heard this before. You go, yes, but if I surrendered my life to Jesus, that means I would have to give up this, I'd have to change my belief on this. So I'd have to stop this. No, no, no. Don't even think like that because you will gain infinitely more in deciding for Jesus Christ. In fact, if you need to make that decision for the first time today, I'm going to just take the last minute here and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Let's just for a minute, let's just have everybody in the room, would you just close your eyes and just bow your head? If you're here whether you're in this room or the cafeteria or wherever you are, if you're here and you've never told Jesus before that you believe he died for you and you want to today be saved, be given eternal life, you want to become one of his followers, you can do that right now. What I want you to do, if that's you, in just a minute, I'm actually going to ask you to stand up where you are. No one's going to be looking at you. That's why I just had everybody close their eyes. But that's a way for you to just draw the line in the sand and say, today, I need to be forgiven. I need to have someone else pay for my sins. I need to surrender my life to a God who loves me. And if that's you, or wherever you are, and you've never done this before, but you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, to be saved, I want you to just stand up wherever you are. Just go ahead and just stand up to say, I need to be forgiven. It's kind of a scary thing to do, but I assure you it's an important way to be forgiven. If that's you and you need to follow Jesus for the first time, would you just stand wherever you are? Go ahead right now. Let me just give you five or ten seconds. If you know that you're here and you know you need to be forgiven, would you just accept this gift of forgiveness from Jesus? If, you're, if, you're, if you are here, and maybe there is someone here that's just listening to this, I just want you to know that as you're contemplating it, that you can make this decision at any time, at any time. So even, if, even before your head hits the pillow tonight, if you want to go home and you just want to tell Jesus, I believe it, I believe you died for me, it is just the same. You don't have to do it in a church building, and he will save you, and it will gloriously change their life your life. If you did make this decision and you happen to be in in another room somewhere watching this right now, I'm going to go out in the hallway. I have some resources that I can give you to get you started. So if you're in the cafeteria and you are standing, I will meet you out in the hallway as well. So let me just pray and let's just worship our holy God who is worthy of a holy life from us. Lord, thank you so much for your love for us. God, despite the fact that we live so much of our lives unholy, God, we love you. We trust you. God, help us be the wipers in our life, God. Wipe away the sin that we've just maybe let accumulate in our lives. And may we reflect you again. And may we experience the joy of your holiness again. And light our hearts on fire for you, God, again. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.